my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I always said that when I got into this business, I got into this business because I was a storyteller. But along the way, I also found that there was a purpose, that I had a purpose in my life. And that, I don't know how else to call it, but I was an activist. I became an activist in an industry. I mean, I don't know how else to call that. And fast forward 40 years later, I'm still an activist. I'm still making a case for the value of this consumer. This is where I find tremendous value in what I do in helping to promote businesses like Daisy's, because without our voice being in that room, without understanding all of the richness of our culture, it's hard to connect with those consumers authentically to really be able to measure and gauge what that return on investment is so that we can continue to make our business case because we are a solid business case and we are here to stay for sure. Hello, and welcome to the Future Legends of Advertising podcast featuring newly inducted members of the American Advertising Federation's Hall of Achievement and those in the Hall of Fame. In this series, we'll compare notes, gain insights, and explore the future of the advertising industry through never-before-heard conversations between those who are shaping it. You'll meet industry icons like Bozema St. John, Daisy Exposito Uya, Deborah Wall, and future ones, including leaders from the most impactful brands, agencies, and media platforms in the world. We're your hosts, Haley Romer and Ross Martin. Now, let's meet the legends. Let me introduce Daisy first. Daisy, by the way, you and I met once, but it was like you were already like, you were in the Hall of Fame swirl, and I was one of the randos that voted for you. So like... (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, and uh, I'm Ross, and that's Haley. And this, we are this year's chairs for the Advertising Hall of Achievement. And I also serve on the board of the AAF. And this is really a moment for us that's very special because we're bringing together like the living legends, the icons, the people we really look up to with the next generation coming up right behind you who never would have gotten to even do any of this in most cases without people like you trailblazing for all of us. So let me introduce Daisy. So, Haley, I don't know if you realize, but we have an incredible show today. Uh, I'm sure you're very prepared for it. You may know that I'm about to introduce Daisy Exposito Uya, who is currently the very legendary chair and CEO of Desposito Partners. 
Some people call them DEX or DEX. But I would never be able to... I'm going to have to condense this introduction by a lot because this is a living legend. And when we decided to do this podcast together, we said, we're only doing this if we can get the best of the best. And so far, so good. If this is our only episode, I think we're good. I know this, Ross. And the reason why you're the one who gets to introduce Daisy is because this is a true test of how well you can actually condense down the amount of achievements one has had, like Daisy, into just a couple of seconds here. So let's see you do it. All right. So a few years ago, I had the honor of being in the group, the Council of Judges that voted for the Advertising Hall of Fame. And Daisy was inducted along with some other legends, Ken Cheneau from Amex, Beth Comstock from GE, Arthur Sulzberger from the New York Times. But she was the one that captured the heart and the soul of the room. This is the person, Daisy, who, quote, the most important Madison Avenue success story written by a woman not born in the United States. Daisy came to America in 1964. She was born in Cuba, and she took the entire industry by storm basically when she got here. She's also the former chair and CEO of the Bravo Group inside of WPP, which because of her and a few other people turned into the largest U.S. Hispanic agency of all time. She's a visionary creative leader. She's worked with AT&T, Kraft, Bank of America, Sears, Unilever, Pfizer, many, many, many more. Please welcome to our show, Daisy Exposito Uya. Thank you, Ross, for that introduction. And you deserve a prize because 40 plus years in an industry isn't easy to sum up. But uh, thank you for inviting me today to both of you. We are thrilled to have you. Well done, Ross. I could not have done it any better. And I am equally excited introduce Angela Guzman, because if anyone were to follow directly in Daisy's footsteps, I would put all my money on Angela as being the person to be able to do it. One of the reasons we loved Angela as being part of this year's AHOA inductee class is because she brings something completely different from every other candidate. Angela is currently the Senior Vice President and Head of Supplier Diversity at Dentsu where she's responsible for developing partnerships that promote the use of businesses owned by women, BIPOC, LGBTQ persons with disabilities, veterans, and small businesses. In other words, Guzman is in charge of making sure we are bringing as many voices and parties to the table as part of our supply system in this industry as possible. Not only has Angela been doing it for Dentsu over the past couple of years, but before that, she was doing the same thing at NBCU. And she's even been tapped by multiple agencies outside of the industry because of her incredible work, including being tapped for the board of New York and New Jersey's Minority Supplier Diversity Council, which is pretty incredible. So here we are today with Angela. Welcome and thank you so much for what you're doing for the industry and helping us to bring more people to the table and really think about diversity and inclusion in new and unexpected ways. Welcome, Angela. Thank you so much. I am truly thrilled to be here just to elevate the conversation of supplier diversity and the importance of investing in diverse businesses. So it is a privilege and an honor. And then also just an honor to be here with you today, Daisy, because I'm excited. I'm very honored to be with you, Angela, and to to see that the torch will continue. You're in a privileged position to do that and to continue to elevate the discussion in diversity in America and in our industry. 
Daisy, Angela is just a couple of weeks away from being inducted into the American Advertising Federation's Hall of Achievement. And as you know, the AAF is the unifying force for advertising. This is the organization that is bringing our whole industry together and also really setting a new standard for modern advertising, not just what it is and what it looks like, but how it's done and who gets to do it. And so she's about to have this very big personal moment where the whole industry is going to celebrate her work mid-career. Could you talk about the moment you had a couple of years ago when you were inducted, Daisy, into the Advertising Hall of Fame? It was a surreal moment for me because I never imagined that I would be receiving and be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But it was very rewarding because I saw how an entire industry and the work that I had been doing for almost 40 years uh, was being recognized. I was a proponent of uh, multicultural marketing for all of my entire career. And to see that the industry had evolved, that the industry was recognizing the contributions of multicultural marketing and what I had contributed was very rewarding. It was also great to see my 95-year-old mother sitting there and seeing me receive this award. Amazing. Angela, when you hear Daisy talk about that, obviously looking back on her career and the impact that she had on her career, I'm curious what sort of emotion that evokes for you. So I feel a great sense of pride when I listen to Daisy share her story. I'm proud for Latinas, I'm proud for women business owners, but I'm also proud for our industry and recognizing the importance of diverse voices and multicultural voices. So a little bit about my career. Um, while I have not always been specific to advertising, I have had the joy of working in the advertising space. So a long period of time, I worked at NBC Universal, And one of the unique lenses that I had is when I started in diversity and inclusion and supplier diversity, I came with a finance background. So I, I had the, the sort of understanding of where dollars were being spent. And in a supplier diversity space, traditionally, you hear them talk about procurement. And when I stepped into the world of supplier diversity, I immediately recognized that there was a gap in the spending with diverse businesses around that media marketing advertising space. And so very early on, as I stepped into the world of supplier diversity, I took it on as my mission to shed a light, to increase visibility so that we could start taking our efforts into that media marketing world. And so that's really been the past decade of my career is trying to shed a light on the media and advertising industry, the unique nature of the industry and how this is not necessarily a procurement approach, but there are certainly similarities. And when it comes to investing in the communities, this is by far one of the areas that I think we could make a tremendous impact because it's that untapped area of opportunity. And so when I listen to Daisy's story and having representation in an industry that often does not recognize the voices of diverse business owners and or the importance of the work that I do, it's very gratifying. I feel a tremendous amount of pride because I think she has really created a pathway and blazed a path for us to have these conversations and quite frankly, for someone like myself to even be considered. 
for this position and privilege. So I'm, I'm very honored and I'm proud. So Daisy and Angela both, when you look at Hispanics in culture and in business, how much has changed? And then also, how much hasn't changed at all? I would say that things have changed. The level of awareness has certainly increased. I mean, the data says that Hispanics are the largest growth segment among the multicultural community. We know that multicultural is the new mainstream. So you would think that based on the headlines, we no longer have to sell the Hispanic opportunity. And nothing could be further from the truth, right? There's still a major disparity between the value of this consumer segment and the investment that corporate America has against it. So I always said that when I got into this business, I got into this business because I was a storyteller. I was a creative person, a producer. And, you know, advertising is about a short form of storytelling. And I felt it was important to tell our stories. But along the way, I also found that there was a purpose, that I had a purpose in my life. And that, I don't know how else to call it, but I was an activist. I became an activist in an industry. I mean, I don't know how else to call that. And fast forward 40 years later, I'm still an activist. I'm still making a case for the value of this consumer. It really hasn't changed that much. But I do see that there's a higher level of awareness. And I don't know, Angela, if you can shed some light on this from your perspective, you know, but, uh, but from my perspective, I'm still going at it. With regards to just how I think, well, how far we've come along as a Latino community, what I will say is that I am often the only in a lot of the spaces that I'm in, whether it's in a supplier diversity space, whether it's in an executive leadership space. And so while I do, in fact, believe that, you know, we have created pathways and that there are opportunities for us, the, the, a lot of the barriers that stood in the way before I really took on my career path have been cleared in many ways. They're not completely gone. And to Daisy's point, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I think, you know, with me, well, I'm first generation, but I am English speaking. So I grew up in the United States. And so we did not really speak Spanish in my home. I am predominantly English speaking. And it's interesting to me because what I find is that from the marketing perspective, oftentimes we are approached as a monolith unless you are working with an actual Latino-owned agency who understands the nuances of our culture. And so this is where I find tremendous value in what I do in helping to promote businesses like Daisy's because without our voice being in that room, without understanding all of the richness of our culture, it's hard to connect with those consumers authentically to really be able to measure and gauge what that return on investment is so that we can continue to make our business case because we are a solid business case and we are here to stay for sure. You know, there's a misguided perception too that because you're born in the U.S. and raised in the U.S. and may not speak the language that you are uh, not Hispanic. 
And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, Nielsen, Pew, mm-hmm. uh, the ANA's Alliance for Inclusive Marketing, all of them have data that says that now more than ever, the culture is a very important part of identity among young people. And so there's still a lot of work to be done and clients still need to be educated on this. I am sure that tons and tons of women and young people stop you on a daily basis and ask you for advice. And they want to know what it is you've either done to to have gotten where you are or what you would encourage them to do to continue to carry the torch and make inroads or continue to, to deepen the pathways that you've already started to create. What is it that you most often get asked and, and how do you respond? Well, my advice is usually be authentic, you know, be yourself, be proud of who you are. I've said this consistently. Don't let, if you're in a corporation, don't let the corporation swallow you because that could happen. You know, Angela was just talking about being the only woman or the only Latina in a room. Imagine 30 years ago, Angela, (laughs) where there weren't too many women, period. So so oftentimes I was the only woman and the only Latina. And so my advice, if I were to give Angela, obviously she's doing tremendously well, but it's, it's, you know, the Hamilton line, don't throw away the shot. When we're in a position where we can make decisions and influence others, go for it. Speak loud and be heard, even if you're going to ruffle some feathers. And it's the only way. It's the only way. And as women, I think we have evolved. I mean, there was a time when women, I was always vocal. I tried. I was always, I always tried to be vocal and to, and to express my point. But it wasn't always well received. I think today women are in a better position to express themselves and to affirm their points of views. I feel validated when you say, have your voice, raise your voice, because that is the only way I know how to do it, is just to speak up. I am um, I like to say I'm small in size, but I'm big in impact. I'm about five foot tall. <laughs> so I'm not a very large person, but I'm really passionate. And I think that that passion and that fire makes up for the size difference, because if there's something that's really important to me, I will certainly, you know, stand up and have a voice on the matter. So I feel very validated in hearing you say that. I'm glad to hear. And obviously you're doing very well. So just thank you. Keep it going. Thank you. Angela, I, I wonder, I wonder what you think in terms of your impact for the future, what you're capable of or what you're hoping you can do from here. So in terms of this, you know, halftime of the career and what do I do next and now, it's, this has really been a point of reflection for me in terms of my career. And I know you had to ask Daisy, you know, in terms of career advice. But one thing I will say is when I stepped into this world, I thought that I was just going to be able to learn as much as I could, run as fast as I could on my own. And very quickly, I learned that there are many, many obstacles in this work and a lot of obstacles that have to be removed. And so it was through that that I built community and I had mentors and I had advocates and I started to learn. And so at this stage in my career, 
I take the good words of our friend Tiffany Warren. I've rised up. Now I have to reach back. And now it really is that moment where I reach back and I start to build pipelines and pathways for those who can continue this great work and take it even further than where we are now. And so that's my next is really not stepping back, but stepping aside and empowering others so that we can continue to push this forward. Thank you, Angela, for the work that you're doing. I'm going to say something from yesterday. I I was watching Norman Lear (laughs) for some of you. And Norman Lear, you know, the creator of All in the Family. and, And he was asked by Ted Koppel about this position that are now in corporations where, you know, we have to sort of monitor and the, the support for minority-owned businesses, uh, that we all do the right thing, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, Norman Lear said that it's a sad state of our society that we have to create these positions and these roles to make sure that we're doing what should be humanely normal, that we should all be accepting, that we, sh- that sh- we should embrace the diversity and the reality of the demographics and of the people that we live in in our country. And so my question, Angela, is I know that at this point, this is very much needed. But I would hope that at some point, we get to a point in our industry mm-hmm. where you can pass the baton to someone else and not necessarily have to do the same work that you're doing. That we do become a true, you know, diverse industry where we embrace our people, our consumers, because they reflect who we are. And so I'm hoping that 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 can happen at some point. I have a lot of thoughts around that. So I participated in um, the Aspen Institute. They have a Latinos in Society program that I participated in. And in that program, you know, we all were trying to hack how do we unlock more dollars for Latino-owned businesses, specifically capital investments. And it all came down to one simple thing. No matter the industry, no matter the offering, it was that we need to have a voice and the stories that are told about Latinos to the public have to be positive ones. We have to get away from this narrative and stereotype that Latino business owners are all really small, scrappy business owners or that they're immigrants. There are some real businesses that have grown and scaled and that compete and we're not telling those stories. And so to your point, Daisy, the beauty of being in this space outside of procurement is that we are finally bringing this to a space that influences culture and behavior. And so to be bringing these conversations to this forum, my hope is exactly your hope, Daisy, that we start to move hearts and minds and inspire people to give purpose to their purchase, be mindful of where they're putting their dollars, start to impact the communities positively. And then it just becomes, to your point, a culture and that I work myself out of a job. But I also follow trends and I know that this work has been going on for a very long time. 
And so it's good to have a plan in place for the successors to carry forth that good work if we're not able to accomplish it within my career lifetime. I would hope that you will. I do I'm too. hopeful. Me too. I'm an optimist. I've always been I love been it. Me too. We have so much in common. <laughs> I'd love to meet you in person <laughs> and break some bread. We are going to make that happen. Um, side note, I know there's other questions, but I told them, I said, I'm so excited to meet her. So I'm the chair of the New York, New Jersey Council, where you're certified. Yes. And I know your business name by way of the council, but we've never had the pleasure of meeting. So we will make this. Yes, we have. Multiple. We will make it happen. Yeah. I love this. Angela, just while we have you here, are there any questions you'd like to ask Daisy? Daisy, I, it's not necessarily a question, but it is a nod to you. I think coming to this country, um, immigrating to the country, building a business, having, you know, a family, learning a language, all of those things, it's so admirable to me. And I think when I talk to business owners, when I talk to just people in general, I think that that's the strength. So I'm curious to know, would you, do you define your story coming to America and your experience? Do you think that that's part of what fueled you in your passion? Absolutely. I think that being uh, a political exile, because that's what we were, uh, I think that that seeing your parents' struggles starting all over again, uh, I think that that fueled me to succeed. Absolutely. It's, it's, and being different in a way was my superpower. You know, I, I leveraged my difference as opposed to making it a negative. I, I leveraged what I brought to the table. And uh, yeah, absolutely. This was awesome. Thank you both so much for joining us. I feel like I've learned so much, not only just about the two of you, but also a reminder of the power of connection. And in particular, you know, how AAF is, as Ross said, that unifying voice for the industry. I love that you two haven't met before, and yet it feels like you're kindred spirits. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us. And I'm confident that everyone will have learned a lot from you both and will take a lot away from this conversation. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that does it for this episode of the Future Legends of Advertising podcast. I'm Ross Martin. And I'm Haley Romer. And thank you for listening. We'll be back with another episode before you know it. And for more information on the American Advertising Federation, go to aaf.org.